get the amazing privilege of going to the Edinburgh Fringe and doing a show there every year, really close to the Edinburgh Castle at the big comedy festival. And lots of people ask me, why are you doing that? You know, I'm a, a minister's son. I went to Bible college. I'm a preacher. Why am I at the comedy show every year? Well, the reason is because when I was a young lad, 15, 16 years old, I used to go up to Edinburgh and I would see these comedians and they would be ripping the name of Jesus apart. They would be shredding the Christian faith. They would be laughing at God and Jesus. And as a young lad, 15 years old, I sat there and said, one day I'm going to be on that stage and I am going to lift up the name of Jesus. I'm going to lift his name up. And, uh, you know, it's such a privilege that I've been able to do that the last few years. And just being in there, making people laugh, making people smile, but then bringing the message of the cross. And it has been so powerful. So we're so excited. Well, listen, I don't know if you're excited for Christmas, but I am excited for Christmas. And you know, all your family come, all the family gets together, everybody's in the house, the cousins, the uncles, the aunties, everybody's in there. And you know, that's amazing and it's full of joy and full of peace. Except, you know, that one person in the family that's a little bit, whoo, do you know what I mean? The one that's a little bit, mm, a little bit, mm, you know, if you're sitting there right now and you're like, Mark, we don't have anyone like that in our family. That's because it's you, yeah? You're the one. You're the one that everyone's like, mm. nah, I'm sure you're all super lovely. I mean, it's amazing. When, um, when I was a young guy, I was working in Barnsley and I was doing lots of schoolwork. And um, I had to go and do all these different schools and there was about 20 junior schools that I did. So at Christmas, every school wanted me to come and sit on the front row and watch the nativity play. Now you're probably thinking, that's lovely. 20 lovely plays by children. But when you have seen 20 little girls coming out with cushions up the jumpers saying, I am Mary. Yeah, it gets a little bit tired, yeah? Um, I don't know if you know this, but in nativity scenes now in school, they want everybody to have a part. So there's some weirdness is happening. So one guy came to me and said that his son last year played the part as Keith, Jesus' neighbor. I've read my Bible a few times. I cannot see Keith in there. Where is Keith in the story? And why is the neighbor being invited to the birth? That is also a bit weird. When you're having a baby, you don't say, hey, come round, we're having a baby. Let's all gather. It's not like, I mean, I can just imagine the teacher being there and saying, okay, Laura, you're going to play the part as Mary's social worker, yeah? So that's your bit. And uh, Tom you're going to be one of the radiators in the stable, yeah? So it's mainly a quiet part for you. I mean, everyone's got a part. So I'm there watching all these shows, and I'm kind of getting a bit bored. 
But number 18 was amazing because it was run by the drama teacher. And the drama teacher told me, I'm really go I've really got the kids pumped up. And they're going to do a great job. And they did. It was amazing, but for all the wrong reasons, yeah? And I loved it. Because what happened is, the little boy Joe, playing Joseph, he came out. He was a bit frightened because all the parents were there. And he kind of froze. And the little girl playing Mary, she thought to herself, we need to bring some energy to this. So the little girl, Mary, she just tipped her head back and she went, I'm having the baby now. It's like, whoa. Joseph was like, whoa, we need to get you to the innkeeper. So they get across to the innkeeper and they're knocking on the door. And the little lad playing the innkeeper, he comes and he's kind of at the door and he's kind of a bit like wooden. He's like, oh, um, I am the innkeeper. And Mary, honestly, she tips her head back and she goes, it's coming now. It's coming now. The little boy, his face is full of shock. He's thinking to himself, she did not do this in the practice, yeah? I think she is going to have a baby. And so the little innkeeper, he just looks and he just says to her, listen, my teachers have told me there's no room, but I'm sure we can find you somewhere. And just change the whole Bible in one easy step. And then the drama teacher shuffles around and speaks, and, he, and then he just comes back and says, apparently there is no room at the end, yeah? <laughs> back onto the Bible. I love it, I love it. Well, listen, I've got a, a word burning inside me, and if you've got a Bible, I would love for you to look at um, these words in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. This is what the Bible says. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 9 verse 6. This is what the Bible says. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then if you could look at, at the book of Luke chapter 4, an amazing words in verse 18 and verse 21. And this is now Jesus reading these words. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, this, today I want to speak about promises. I want to talk to you today about the promise. The thing about the promises is that there are people in this room and you have been promised things by people and they have let you down. You, they have not fulfilled the promise. There's others of you that are like, no, someone promised me it and they came good on their word and it was amazing. I really love this. But a couple 
who'd been married for 45 years. They'd raised 11 children, and now they are 22 grandchildren, yeah? They were asked the secret of how they stayed together. How did they manage to stay together for 45 years? And the wife said this. She says, many years ago, we made a promise to each other. The promise was that the first one to pack up and leave had to take all the kids, yeah? I like that. I like that. If you're going, you're taking all of these with you, yeah? But you know, this incredible thought about the promise. I don't know if you've ever been on the phone with a company and you're talking to this company and you're complaining and you're saying to them, this is not what we were promised. I don't know if you've ever had to do that. You've seen something on the internet. You've went for it. They've told you this, 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 this. And then when you get it, you're like, no, this is not what was promised. Or, you know, you're dealing with something, you're like, this is not what was promised. You need to get this sorted. That is not what you promised. You see, promises, they can, they, they, they can be deceptive. We can think one thing is coming through the door and something totally different actually comes through. Now, um, I am... I'm quite an old bloke. Yeah, you can see that. I've got lots of gray hair. Apparently, that means I'm wise. And I was kind of brought up in the generation where when you liked a lady, that you went and you spoke to her face to face, and you said, hi, I'm Mark. I would like to take you out. And she says, I would like to go out with you. And then you go out. Yeah, that's how it happened in my generation. But now I've got my son, and my son is like on internet dating, yeah? And he's helping me to understand all about internet dating. And he says, not that I need to know, I'm happily married, and uh, he just so everyone, why is he helping you to know? No, just because we're chatting, and um, I love my son, and he loves me, and that's it. And uh, I'm happily married, amen. If you're watching Tamsin, it's all good. So the thing is, the thing is, is that my son was telling me about this thing. Now, some of you young guys and young girls will know about this. He goes, Dad, sometimes... You're looking on the internet, somebody's interested. He says, a lady's interested in me, I'm interested in her, we're going to meet up. And you're looking at a picture and you're thinking, wow. And I'm like, well, okay, what's sweet? She goes, right, let me explain. She says, try and understand it like this. Imagine there's a lovely young lady, she's on the internet. She's like, oh, this guy looks amazing. I'd like to meet him at Starbucks. Maybe we could stick up the picture. Here he is. This is what I am. This is the guy that has been showing a little bit of interest in this lovely lady. She's thinking, oh, this is going to be amazing. I cannot wait to have coffee with this wonderful man, yeah? Obviously, all you ladies that are single are looking at him right now and thinking, I'm drawn to his personality, yeah? You're uh, drawn to his lovely, lovely love of Jesus. And, uh, but, She's waiting in Starbucks thinking that this is what's going to walk through the door. But instead, some of you are there already. Maybe we could put up the picture. This is what, this is what comes through the door. It's like, oh, hold on, hold on. 
I was promised David Beckham and I've got Mr. Bean, yeah? And sometimes, I think we need to take that picture away, yeah? I, sometimes what is, comes through the door does not live up to what was promised. And you see, I wanted to just use that sort of slightly funny thing to kind of just display that, you know, this is how the Jews felt. They felt that all the way through the Old Testament, something had been promised. But then what actually came through the door was different to what had been promised. You see, they believed that they were going to have a Messiah who was going to be a military leader who was going to overthrow the Roman oppression. They were going to be led by a military leader who was going to bring freedom to, for the Jews. And that is what they felt they had been promised. And then what has come through the door is a tiny little baby born in a humble stable. And he grows up to become a man who goes about talking of peace, who goes about talking of healing, a man who goes around speaking of another kingdom. And the Jews are like, this is not what we were thinking was going to be delivered. But you see, God had made outrageous promises to his people and now they were being fulfilled but not in the way that anyone expected. Maybe you're waiting for a promise from God. Why don't you open your heart and your mind to think that God might do it in a way that you didn't expect? God he delivered everything through Jesus. When you look at Jesus, I want you to know that Jesus is God keeping his promise. Jesus, that was God keeping his promise. Because you see, God did not promise a military leader. God did not promise someone who was just going to set the Jews free. God had promised a Messiah that was going to bring peace to the world. Bring peace to all across the nations, to every nation and to every people. God was going to bring peace through Jesus. You see, Jesus, it was fulfilled prophecy. A promise was made long ago, revealed through the prophets. The prophets spoke of this incredible promise. And it was dating right back to the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden. A Savior would be born He'd be born to repair the damage that mankind had inflicted on himself because of the sin that entered the world through Adam and Eve. He'd be born to be the only way of salvation. The prophets foretold that his name would be Emmanuel. God is with us. And he'd be born in a small, obscure town called Bethlehem. 
that the Messiah of the world was to come to us, born of a virgin, to save mankind from its sin and separation from God. The Messiah was God's own son. Hallelujah. God did not just shuffle around in his pocket and give us a little bit of loose change. When God sent his son, he sent his very, very best. He gave heaven's best. God sent Jesus. Wow. And when we see this tiny little baby and this story, we can be so reassured that God truly keeps his promise. You see, I want to speak to someone right now because you know at the end of the Old Testament, before the beginning of the New Testament, there's 400 years where it is bleak and dark and it feels like all the things that have been said by the prophets is gone. The promise is not happening. But I want to say that even in that darkest time, in that bleakest time, the promise was still alive. Oh, I'm speaking to someone's soul right now. And you're going through a bleak time. And you're going through a dark time. And you are feeling like the things that have been spoken over you are not coming about. I want to remind you that God is a promise keeper. That God is, he has not let that promise die. Oh, I'm beginning to preach because I sense that there's people in the room and we have got things where we had a promise from God and we've believed it and we've cried out to God and we've sought God and it feels like it's not happening. But this father is called a Scottish guy to come and to remind you that God will come through on his word. God will come through on his word. He's never going to let you down. I felt stirred that there's maybe someone in the room and you were believing God for a husband or you were believing God for a wife. I believe that there's somebody in the room and that you believe God that that business was going to take off or that maybe you had that song or that book that was inside of you and it feels like it's all gone dark and it's like nothing is happening. I want to remind you that God is the ultimate promise keeper. He will not let you down and you can trust him. And you can know today that whatever it is that you are believing for, I've got some faith in my heart today to say that maybe at the end of the service, some of us are going to stand up and say, God, you know what? It's been a while since I've thought about that promise. It's been a while since I've given any time or attention to that promise. But I'm here again. I'm here again, God. And I'm saying again, I trust you. And I believe that it's going to come about in the name of Jesus. Amen. You see, I want to tell you that God is the ultimate promise keeper. He has proven it, that he is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. I want to do some real talk now. 
I want to just say that people will let you down. People will let you down. You know, if we stop the service now and I just ask everyone to come at the front who's ever been hurt by someone, I don't think there would be many of us left in our seats. Many of us in this room have been let down by people, hurt by people. I was just kind of praying and saying, God, I'm in front of a lot of people. There's people online. There's people up in the balcony. Maybe there's even people in the overflow rooms. God, there's a lot of people here. And I felt God say to me that there's maybe even people that have been let down by their own family. I felt maybe somebody has been hurt by their father, hurt by their dad. I feel like some of us, we feel like we trusted people. And now it really gets messy because I want to say this and I believe it with all my heart and it's hard to say it, but not only will people let us down, but church, I just need you to hear for a second, Christians will let us down. You see... I've been a Christian since I was a young lad. My mom and dad were ministers. I love the church. I love Christians. But sometimes Christians hurt us. They let us down. People that should know better. You know, some of us, we're like, you know what? We put people in categories. We're like, oh, I know those people. They're, they've got mouths on them. They'll say whatever. I'm not bothered, you know, they can say what they like. But I really trusted these. I really trusted them and I'm so hurt that they've let me down. I thought they knew better. I, I really did think that they would be there for me. People disappoint us. They like say things. They have attitudes and opinions that hurt. Maybe even somebody's done something to you. Even a physical thing that they've done to you that has been so painful, so hurtful. People let us down. But you know, I want to say to us today that we must bring this hurt, this pain, this brokenness, and we must hand it over to God. We must give our brokenness and our pain to Father God because God will not let you down. I am, um, when I was a young lad, I used to share a room with my brother. Now, I don't know if there's anybody else in the room that shared with either their brother or their sister when they were grow. Oh, I see that hand, brother. I see that hand. If you share the room with your brother or your sister, I have got prayers for you. I understand. It is like, oh, my brother was called Scott. Oh, man. Oh, man. He did my head in, Yeah. We, when, he was, um, when he was a young lad, he was, he was very tidy, right? My brother's a tidy guy. 
and I'm a pretty messy guy. And so he sometimes would get all upset because I would put my stuff in his bed. And uh, he would always get a little bit edgy. And I remember growing up in Scotland, this is honestly true, it was like the one sunny day that we had in Scotland and I quickly, my brother was lying on the bed and he was snoozing. It was a Saturday afternoon about four o'clock and I quickly ran and got the magnifying glass and I got the magnifying glass and the sun shone through and I got the little dot on his ankle, yeah? And uh, he's sleeping and then I can see the hairs on his ankles begin to smolder, yeah? And then suddenly, yeah, I can smell burning flesh, a little hole, and then suddenly he jumps up, he's screeching, he's ah, and he's hopping around, he's ah, my ankle, my ankle, and he turns to me as his older brother, and he says, oh, Mark, what's happening? And I says, oh, Scott, I think the devil's attacked you through your ankle. And my brother, I promise you, was hopping around going, oh, Jesus, Jesus. And even to this day, he thinks that the devil attacks you through your ankles. I'm like, wow, I should tell him that that was just me mucking around, but it's better, better story. But I have a story that I wanted to tell you. Sometimes preachers, we've got these stories that make us look amazing and everybody's like, oh, what a guy. But this story makes me look terrible and I, I'm aware of that but it does help us when we're thinking about this. My brother and me, when I was, I think I was about 12 and my brother was 10, we went out adventuring and we got up into this bit and we got up on a wall and we were both quite a high wall. And I went off to the side and I managed to find a way down and I got to the bottom of the wall. So my brother's up there, it's quite high and he's looking down at me and he's like, Mark, what am I going to do? And I said this to my brother. I said, Scott, you need to jump. And if you jump, I promise you, I, you're already there, aren't you? I promise you that if you jump, I will catch you. And he looks at me, my little brother looks at me and he goes, Mark, honestly, do you promise you'll catch me? And I looked up at him and I went, Scott, of course I will catch you. And then he went, I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust you. And he jumped out and I stepped away. <laughs> wow, the whole congregation are against me at the same time. And he jumped and he broke his collarbone. <laughs> Thank you for that judgmental. <laughs> and... Oh, and when they were, my dad went to get my dad and we got him to hospital and my dad was like, Mark, he was really angry at me. He went, Scots told me that you promised you would catch him and you stepped away. And the only thing I could say was, dad, you don't know what it's like living in that room with that guy. <laughs> and he's like, that is no excuse. And of course he's right. Of course he's right. You see, Sometimes we trust people and they step away and they let us down and we get hurt. And you know, at the end of the service, I want to say that I genuinely believe that there are people today that we need to do some business with God. 
We need to come with our brokenness. We don't want our brokenness to allow us to get bitter. We don't want this brokenness to make us cynical. We don't want this brokenness to make us absolutely critical people. What we want to do is we want to say, God, I hand you my brokenness. I hand you my heart. I hand you my ache and allow God to take our brokenness. We can trust God with our brokenness. You see, I said to my brother, jump out and I'll catch you. God is not like me. God says, I want you to jump out in faith and I will catch you. You see, because the Christian faith is exactly that. It's a faith. I cannot say in a moment, everybody's going to look at the screen, God Holy, awesome God is going to present himself. And we'll all be there. Wow, God turns up. And then I'm like, guys, will you trust him now? He's here. Will you trust him? No, we cannot do that. God will not make himself physically known like that. So what we have to do is we have to take a step of faith. But there are many people in this room where we have made that step, we have thought, do you know what? I have no physical proof, but this is true, but I am stepping out, and we stepped out into nothing, and we found God. And oh, I'm urging you, friend, that maybe you're here today, and you've never made that decision. You've never responded. You've never stepped out. Maybe you're waiting to get every question answered. Maybe you're waiting to get every T crossed and every I dotted. Listen, that's not how this works. The faith is that we step out, and when we step out, wow, we find God. And at the end, we're going to have an opportunity. We're going to have a chance to like say, do you know what, God? I take that step. I take that step of faith. I'm believing. I'm believing. But I also wanted to encourage you that you would jump into nothing. Because when you jump into nothing, God will never let you down. You know, 30 odd years ago, we had our little baby, Jordan, and God started to speak to me. And God said, Mark, I want you to go all over the world and preach the gospel. And I was like, well, God, I'll do that, but who, who's going to pay for that? And God said, I want you to give up your job, to step out in faith, and to trust me. And um. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but that's cool when God says that to you and you feel so convicted, but then you've got to talk to your wife about that. And we've got a tiny little baby, just really newly born. And I says, Tamsin, I feel that God's told me to give up my job, to go and preach the gospel around the world. And my wife looked at me with tears in her eyes. She went, who's going to pay for the nappies for our little baby? And I'm looking at my little baby and I'm looking at the nappies and I'm thinking, 
God, God's going to pay for them. And it sounds amazing when you say it on church. And it sounds powerful when you say it on a platform. But when you're saying it across the room to your wife, and she's going, God is going to pay for the nappies. She's like, have you lost your mind? Like Tamsin, no, 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 no. I promise you, God has promised me this is going to be fine. But we've got to take the step out into nothing. We've got to take the step out in faith. 30 odd years ago, I went to my boss and I said to my boss, I don't want to work here anymore. I'm going to do something different. And he said to me in the office, what's the job going to be? And I says, I'm going to go around the world preaching the gospel. He looked at me and says, you're crazy. He goes, who's paying for that? And I says, God's going to pay for it. Well, when you tell somebody who's not a Christian that God's going to pay for something, expect a little bit back, yeah? And he looked at me and went, you're, you've gone crazy, Mark. You've got a newborn baby. And I went, God's not going to let me down. And I want to tell you, 30 odd years later, God has never let me down. God has never let me down. Every single month, the money's coming. Every single month, we have prayed our prayers. We have called on God. Sometimes it has got pretty, pretty close where you're like, God. I don't know if you've ever had prayers like that where you're like, God. But you know, every month, the money has come in. And God has blessed us more now that we're living by faith than I did when I had a salary from a company. Because guess what? God is a greater provider than any job company. Yeah. God will never let you down. And so, I don't know, maybe the bank can come, but I, I want to speak to you and say there are people in this room that maybe you have kind of been thinking and praying and believing for some stuff. Maybe God's put a book inside you or a song inside you. Maybe God has put an endeavor inside of you and you're sitting here and you're nervous. I want to tell you, if God has put that inside of you, he will never let you down. He is the ultimate promise keeper. Amen. He will never let you down. You can throw yourself out and he is not going to let you crash to the ground. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to speak to some people who are needing some faith and some stuff that they've got going on right now. And it's a tough and difficult situation. I want to revive your faith today. I want to speak to your faith that God is an awesome God. That he will never ever be seen short when it comes to his promises. And when you look at that baby Jesus, you remember that God promised that there was a Messiah coming. And it was true. He came in the name of Jesus. And he is the all amazing, awesome Messiah who's going to save the world. Hallelujah. And God wants to see your promises come about. Amen.